Welcome to the Real Truth Matters podcast. I'm Dan Harder, your host. The RTM podcast is all about showing you how to live in biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect. And now, here's Real Truth Matters founder and director, Michael Durham. Welcome to episode 14 of season two and episode 47 of the Real Truth Matters podcast. Today, I want to try to form a biblical definition for faith. Thus far, we've examined the four ingredients or components of faith. Those building blocks of faith are, first, a knowledge of the truth, secondly, an acceptance of the truth, thirdly, a commitment to the truth, and lastly, a focus on the truth, Jesus Christ. Now, these serve as an excellent foundation on which to build a definition. Today, there are many teachers of faith, and they are varied in their opinions. Why, there's almost as many ideas about faith as there are teachers. And extreme ideas concerning faith are rampant. Therefore, never has an hour existed where an exact definition of faith is more needed than now. A precise, a clear understanding of faith is exactly what the great physician has prescribed as a remedy for this generation of weak and anemic souls. Accuracy is not an option for the surgeon that guides his scalpel among nerves, blood vessels, and organs. Neither is accuracy an option for us when it comes to defining faith. One misguided word will cut sharply and remove scriptural balance and will lead to fanaticism or faithlessness. One wrong impression can lead someone into eternal error. If ever a generation needed a clear word about faith, it is now. So what is faith? That's what I want to focus on in this and the next two podcasts. To rightly understand faith, we first recognize the Bible never really defines the word. At best, it gives us a functional definition, meaning it defines faith by explaining how it operates in the believer's life. But the Scriptures never tell us what faith is in its essence, as we would define justification or sanctification. It simply assumes its meaning and displays its characteristics and functions. Therefore, I suggest that You and I do the same and not venture to go where the Bible refuses to take us. Let's understand faith by understanding some of the characteristics of faith. Of course, the first place our minds go to get some idea of what faith is, is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Too many have tried to make this verse a formal definition of faith. But again, as other men whom God inspired to communicate His holy word, the author of the epistle to the Hebrews refuses the trap of a philosophical definition. He, too, merely tells us how faith behaves. The text says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The first characteristic of faith is It is active. Now, I'm sure you've heard preachers on the present tense of this verse, now faith is. The word is does speak of the present. It's a verb, but 
It's often used to introduce something, as in this case, a description of faith. And the word now can also be used to speak of something presently, but it can also be used in English to introduce a subject or an idea. For example, if talking about grace, I could say, now grace is, and then go on and describe it. These two words, now and is, put together doesn't necessarily mean what some suggest. It does not mean I'm talking about how active faith is. So, I'll not bore you with the present tense of the verse. I'm not even sure that was the intent of the writer. But I must say, faith is active and it is alive. The faith that God gives us and requires us to exercise is neither static nor dormant. It is a living thing. It's not some dead orthodoxy. Faith is not the brain accepting a dogma or a church's doctrine and no more. It's much more than just saying you believe in Jesus. It is a vibrant, active belief that includes the mind, but also the soul with its passions and feelings. And it isn't mechanical either. Faith is not about working some formula by which you can manipulate God. No, sir, it doesn't work like that. You cannot go through some seven-step scheme and say, you have faith. Godlike faith is an active living principle that becomes the core of the saint's existence. The Christian cannot live without it. He takes air into his lungs by faith. He eats, drinks, and sleeps by faith. It causes him to rise up and live his life as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. Well then, even if the words now faith is not about the present tense of faith, surely you and I can say those words do not communicate something cold and calculated. Well, the second characteristic of faith is that faith is a reality, a proper view of reality. Now Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The writer of Hebrews tells us that faith has substance and that it is evidential. Now, faith may not be the literal substance of the thing you're trusting God for, but it is substance. The first part of verse 1 states, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. This means that faith is the substance or comprehension of reality. It is the experiencing of reality that creates a certainty about that reality that you do comprehend. In other words, it's real to you as you grasp it and you can taste and see it. Look at the word substance. Now, some translations do not use the word substance, which I think is unfortunate. For example, the New American Standard Bible and the ESV, English Standard Version, translate verse 1 to read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, in all fairness, the word used by the writer, substance, can be translated into English as assurance or confidence. And the author, in fact, does use that word in that way in the third chapter of Hebrews, verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. The word confidence is the same word we have in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, translated as substance. But assurance and faith 
are not the same thing. You can very well exercise a weak faith that has little to no assurance, or you can have a faith that is running over with assurance. Therefore, you can have faith with full assurance or with lesser degrees of it. Surely you wouldn't tell a soul that's struggling with assurance of salvation that they're not saved because they have no assurance. So you see, you can have faith, but without or very little assurance. No doubt in our verse of question, assurance is the end result, but that's not what faith is. It's what faith produces. The author uses this same word for substance in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, which reads, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He is the brightness and the glory and the express image of the person of God. Person is the word which here means God's substance or essence. It's the same word we have in Hebrews 11.1. And interestingly, the New American Standard and the ESV both translate the word as nature. Faith is literally the substance, or in other words, the essence or nature of something that you're hoping for. Faith is the very quality that makes up the thing that you're longing for. For example, I'm here in the studio, and I'm speaking into a microphone. The housing of my microphone is metal. And so I can say the microphone's substance or essence is metal. Faith, according to our text, is the substance or the essence of the thing you're expecting implanted into your soul. God puts the spiritual reality of the thing you're hoping for in your heart. So faith becomes what you're hoping for. Now, this word hope is not wishing. When we say we have hope in the return of Christ— That doesn't mean we're wishing Jesus would come back, sir. When I say I have hope that Jesus is coming, I'm not saying that there's a possibility he will return. No, sir. It's altogether certain that he is coming back. Hope in the Bible is used that way. It's not an uncertain wish or desire. Instead, it's to have in your heart the certainty that it is going to happen. And so faith is the quality or the essence of the thing that you're certain will come about. In other words, it is the reality of these things in your heart as a child of God. Now, the Apostle Paul says as much to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, I don't know what heaven is like, but I have the substance of heaven in my soul right now. That's what Paul is talking about. I can't tell you what it's like physically. But I can tell you spiritually, because I know the spiritual reality of heaven right now. I experience it when I commune with Christ. Heaven is experiencing the fullness of Jesus in a capacity greater than we can experience it now. But we now experience the same Christ. The essence of the experience will not change in heaven. Only our capacity to enjoy it will change. Secondly, 
The writer says, faith operates in the Christian life as evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Salvation isn't only the substance of the very reality that you're hoping for, but it's also the evidence of that reality implanted in your heart, submitted to you. Now, the word evidence here is a word that means proof. The word is used only twice in the New Testament. If I'm a prosecuting attorney and you're a juror, it's my responsibility as the prosecuting attorney to present irrefutable evidence that he who stands trial is guilty. My evidence should be so irrefutable that it should prove to you his guilt beyond reasonable doubt. And if the evidence is sufficient and removes reasonable doubt, you must do your duty and pronounce him guilty and pass sentence. That's the idea behind this word evidence. The writer of Hebrews is teaching that faith is the very evidence of things we cannot see, and they're just as real as the things we can see. It's the very argumentation or proof of these things. This proof, or faith, is given to us as believers, and once again, it is implanted in our hearts. So faith is the reality of something in your heart before you hold it in your hand. What is the nature of that reality? Well, that leads us to the third characteristic of faith. The third characteristic of faith is that it is an ability. It is an ability, specifically the ability to see the reality of God. It isn't just having a certainty, but the ability to see it. Faith sees the reality of God above anything we could believe God for in prayer. To see this, let's read further into chapter 11 of Hebrews. Look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Preeminently, faith sees God. Faith is the organ of sight for the Spirit. It's the eyes of the heart that can perceive, discern, comprehend the reality of God. By faith in the truth of God, God becomes real to the sinner, and from that moment on, God becomes more than an intellectual notion. By faith, there's a personal relationship where you relate to God as a person and He with you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because it's only by faith that God becomes a real person to anyone. Of course, it pleases God because it takes God seriously. It takes God so seriously that it makes one an earnest and diligent seeker for God. Faith makes God approachable, and faith brings you into proximity to God. It seizes on the reality of God and makes His presence near and actual to you. It is this reality of God that the Christian yearns for and makes him or her a pursuer of God. God is to be known, not just as a fact of religion or the creed of some confession. He's to be known personally, really, truly, by all who believe and will diligently seek Him. Fourthly, faith is the ability to see the reality of something as God sees it. Now, here we go back to verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Reality consists of the visible and the invisible. Reality does not consist only of material and physical matter, but it also consists of things that are 
immaterial and spiritual. If you base reality on the things your five physical senses can discern, then you'll not be living in genuine reality. You'll be missing essential elements of truth. The writer is very detailed as he explains how faith functions. He uses the words hope and things not seen. And as we've already stated, hope is not a wish or a want, but a determined and convinced certainty of the validity of something that doesn't now exist, or if it exists, it's not yet yours physically. It's not something you can hold in your hand and say, this substance is mine. However, by faith, you can hold the reality of it in your heart. Faith is the ability to possess the reality of both the material and the immaterial. Therefore, we can say that faith is the God-given ability to see reality about a particular thing. It's the ability to see the reality about a given situation as God sees it, both the material and the immaterial. An example of this is from the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. The servant of Elisha was frightened by what he saw, the Syrian army surrounding the city. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, and we read, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master! What shall we do? His problem was he was calculating by one source of information, his physical eyes. His risk assessment was calculated on only one source of data. True as that data was, it wasn't all of the information. Elisha consoled his alarmed assistant. And he says in verse 16, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What that young man could not see by his physical sense of sight, faith could see. And faith was granted to the young man to see all the data. He was able to see both the material and immaterial components of his reality at that moment. Therefore, in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews shows faith as the ability to see things as the Lord does in two distinct ways. Now, this is very important to grasp. If you are to have a biblical understanding of faith, you must comprehend and believe what the author of this epistle is declaring here in these verses. This is how faith operates in your heart as a believer. Now, you nor I can see all things about reality at all times. Faith is not omniscience. Only an all-seeing God can know all things. God has the ability to see both aspects of the physical and non-physical elements of reality. So, if you have faith in God, well, that doesn't mean you see everything about reality that God sees. But faith is the ability to see that part of reality that God discloses to you. That's where the Word of God comes in. We are to be a people of faith, which means we do not walk by sight, just as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Another way to say what the Apostle Paul says is that we do not live by processing only what we can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. 
The senses are the physical properties given to us by which we take in all the information from our environment. It's the means of empirical evidence, evidence that can be observed by the human senses. But Paul says empirical data is altogether insufficient for the Christian. We are a people of the Spirit. We have come to understand that the most important element of reality is not physical, but spiritual. The author of Hebrews presses this point, and he does so in the third verse of the 11th chapter. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I wouldn't argue against the more brilliant minds among us and state the ridiculous, that the world is not made of things which we cannot see. The scientific world has presented to us the evidence of the molecule and of the atom. These building blocks of everything visible are not visible to the naked eye, and without modern machines of magnification, we would have never known they existed. It was only theory until such matter could be empirically proven. Some have suggested that this is what the author was inspired to write, even though he had no atomic knowledge. With great excitement, we're told that the Bible proves atomic matter millennia before we could verify their existence. But I don't believe that's what the author is saying. I believe he is saying that all matter, including the protons and neutrons, were made of things not visible. Visibility has nothing to do with the microscopic matter too small for the eye to see. Here it's referring to the invisible realm of the spiritual. He's saying, by faith, we believe that God created the material world out of the immaterial. It's the spiritual realm from which came the physical. Even the Creator Himself is immaterial. He is spiritual, for God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The spiritual realm is as real as the physical, and if the truth be told, it's more real than the physical. For out of the spiritual, invisible, and immaterial came all that is physical, material, and visible. The physical is built on the spiritual, and there it rests. Only the eyes of faith, the organ of sight of the Spirit, can see into this realm of reality. And without this most important realm, one's perception of reality is, well, it's skewed, it's erroneous, it's deadly. It will lead to death and destruction. We need to be able to discern that which is revealed by the spiritual. Otherwise, we don't have a grasp of reality. Any truth that deals with the nature of life and morality that does not take into account the invisible is not truth, but lies. And if lie is too strong a word for you, then at best the perception of the truth is incomplete. Faith is required to navigate the full spectrum of realism. How sad that men and women live without faith. It's as if they're living with a half a brain. Think of the person trying to pilot life with only half a brain. He or she couldn't know what would be necessary in order to function properly. And such are they who live only by empirical data. They live by their physical senses alone. They're not living by all that reality is. God can give reality as He knows it. Over and again, the Bible tells us from whence faith is derived. It attributes the origin of faith to God. And this is a secondary theme in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. 
The writer cites examples to prove the conveyance of faith from the Word of God to the heart of man. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Here, the subject is the faith of the Old Testament patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These men had received God's personal promise to them. It was the disclosure from God to their minds and hearts that gave them the ability to see reality about their posterity and the nation that God would make to come from them. By faith, they could see the fulfillment, even though it didn't happen until hundreds of years later. So, We've discovered thus far that faith is the ability to see reality about a particular subject or situation. It is the God-given insight to see how the spiritual aspect of reality is weighing in on the physical part of reality and bringing about God's agenda. The question that I am sure to be on our lips is, how do I get this kind of faith? How does it work in me? And the answer is that faith is implanted in the soul as a gift given by God. It's a work of God in you. Now, how does he do this? How does God give us faith? And this is where we'll need to end and leave it until next week. Sorry for the cliffhanger, but time has eluded us again. But before we leave you today, I want to make available to you my book, which was published last year, The Fight of Faith how a Christian can experience assurance of salvation. If you'd like a copy, we'll offer the book to you for a reduced price while we're discussing the subject of faith on the podcast. The regular price is $12.99, but while we are exploring faith for the next few weeks, the price will be $9.99. Please join us again next week as we work through the biblical data that will give us a working definition of faith. Well, On behalf of all of us here at Real Truth Matters Ministries, thank you for tuning in. And may the Lord richly bless you with His love in a real and tangible way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Truth Matters podcast. I hope you can see that Christianity is profoundly experiential, but always based on the objective truth of Scripture. If you have questions or comments, please send them to our email address, web at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. Real Truth Matters podcast, dedicated to biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect.